Anyone run into the door yet? So the door is gone, the cross is down, the things are happening. Hopefully things will be put together more so next week and the week after that. Uh, yeah, Highway Street has moved, um, and so a lot of things are done. And yeah, so um, one of my favorite things about coaching or teaching or anything like that is when people have aha moments. You, know, you ever have someone that does that? They're, they don't get something, and then one day it's like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, um, I, the worst thing that I can have as, as a coach or a teacher is um, I'll, I'll speak on something for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then we'll go to like a conference with the teenagers, and that's when they, they're like, oh, this person said this, and now I understand. And I'm like, I said, I said it for the last three months. Thank you for being a jerk. Um, <laughs> But uh, one of the things, uh, so I have people that will come up and they'll ask me for different things. Like one of the big things is um, prayer. Hey, you better keep that kid quiet. Uh, as he spits up all over her. You got to get the rags, man. Where's the rag? Um, but um, that's... New mom. That's what happens. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, so I've had people that will come up to me and say, um, will you pray for me? Um, and I always, sometimes I get a sense of uh, if what they want, you know. And sometimes I, I get a sense that they, they want um, a pastor to pray for them. For, because for whatever reason, they think that a pastor's prayers are, will fix it, right? They'll actually... Because you're a pastor, you, yeah, you got a direct line, um, and the scriptures don't do that. It's the right, the prayers of a righteous person. This is what James says that we that avails much, right? That that's where power is because you're seeking God, not just in your prayers, but your life is seeking after Him. And so, um, I always ask someone when they ask me to pray, and sometimes I get this sense um, of two things. One. If this works, right, if you get X, you know, if, if you get healed of this or whatever that you're asking for, are you going to give glory to God? That's the first thing. Because if you're not going to give glory to God, I'm not going to pray for you. Because you don't, you're, you're not going to give Him the glory, why should I be a part of it? Uh, the second question I ask is, if God doesn't do this, if God doesn't, give X, then are you going to get mad at God? Because if you're going to get mad at God because he didn't do it, I'm not going to be a part of this either. And that's a big thing is I've seen people that they, they want the miraculous, but the problem is, is they don't, and she's gone. <laughs> um, I got to tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I don't get distracted by people moving and, you know, doing things. The reason why is because I was um, in Honduras. Uh, it was the year, it was the year after we got married, me and my, um, Mariga, and we were down in Honduras, and I was there on a mission trip with her and two other uh, individuals, and they were missionary. They're in the missionary uh, uh, college degree program, 
And I was there because I didn't want my wife going off to Honduras by herself. So I was there. Well, they found out I was studying to be a pastor. And so the guy at the mission said, why don't you preach this Sunday? Right? So I get there. They speak um, Spanish. So I'm speaking and there's a translator. So there's like a, a lag, right? So I'm teaching, and there's probably, I don't know, 200 people there. Small little area. It's, it's about this size, um, and, but it was cramped. It was just packed. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm preaching, and I'm preaching in Matthew, um, just like I am today. And this lady just starts feeding um, her baby. Now, if you don't understand what that means, she was breastfeeding, okay? So just all of a sudden, I, I just... I'm like 20 years old, and I'm like, I just walk to the side, and I have to regain my composure. Luckily, I had said enough to where the, the translator was still translating, so it looked like I was just like waiting, but it, after that, everything else is no longer a distraction. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, so, but seeking the miraculous, you know, seeking the miraculous is really hard. Because we, we tend to fall into the idea that if I don't get the miraculous, then my faith is false, or then this doesn't happen. You know, um, I had a conversation with uh, someone this past week, or was it last week? Um, and I've, I've gotten this throughout the years. If I don't have a certain gift, right, then I can't, you know, my faith is not right, or it's, not, it's false, or something like that. And there's always this, if the miraculous doesn't happen, then faith is false. And what we're going to see today is that's actually the opposite that's true. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew 16 today. We're going to kind of get most through, through this chapter, but the majority of the chapter um, today, and then we're going to get through some more of it next week. But as we're going through this, let's kind of bring ourselves up to speed because all this is moving towards an aha moment that's going to be talked about today and then we'll continue on tomorrow, uh, next week. And so the two weeks ago we started talking about this thing, how Jesus was pushing his disciples to start exercising their faith. This is the whole feeding of the 5,000. He's trying to get them to exercise their faith because he's, he's pushing them. We're getting further and further along into Jesus' ministry, and he's pushing them along because pretty soon he's going to be killed, and then he's going to be resurrected, and he's going to be gone. And so he's pushing these guys. They, they need to start taking their faith seriously. And so we talked about that. And then in last week, we talked about this idea that God is calling people to accept Jesus as Savior, um, that the Spirit would indwell them, and that they would be transformed. Like this is, this is the key here, that this is what we need to see, and this is what we need to have in our lives. If we haven't accepted Jesus as our Savior, then we won't have the Spirit indwell. Then our lives won't be transformed. This is just how, this is the, kind of the chronology of it. Um, and this is just what the Scriptures have for us. So we need to understand that, that in order to exercise our faith, what do we need? We need to accept Jesus as our Savior. We need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is given to us as that, that guarantee of the coming of Christ. And then we need to be transformed. And so that's how faith is exercised. And so this week, we're watching the disciples start moving to this point where they're, they're starting to get, they're still, as Jesus calls them, dull. And we'll see their dullness in a little bit next week. But they're finally coming to a place where at least we're starting to see some growth, right? 
And we're seeing this bits and pieces. We saw Peter walk on the water, some growth there. But it, it, they always seem to revert. And so we're going to keep seeing this cycle of reverting where it looks like they're going forward and then they're coming back. But we're going to, we're going to see a good moment and let the, like, let the disciples shine for once. And then next week we're going to see where they are dull and mess up again. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. And if I fall, it's because I pulled a muscle this week. And I think I bruised my, um, my rib. So if I just all of a sudden just kind of stumble up here, that's, that's, yes. That's from working on this and from Friday night. By the uh, well, that's his own fault. Um, by the way, I, we had a youth night on Friday. And I don't play the games anymore for two reasons. Um, one, I hurt teenagers. Um, and then two is they hurt me. Um... And so, uh, at the end of the night, they asked if we could play this game. It's called Kajabi Can Can. Yeah. And it's where you take ropes, and the whole purpose is to throw each other into a garbage can. Oh, really? um, and so, I, I, I'm, I'll play, right? I haven't played this thing in years because I'm older, and um, I, I break easily. And so, one of our older teenagers, who's now an adult, he, we were the last two in, and I don't, I don't lose, Okay, I don't play to lose. And so what I did with this guy is, I, I, the trash can was behind me. This is totally off topic. Um, and he, I just want, really want to tell the story. Um, and I knew he was going to try to push me in there. So as he comes forward, I sidestep, and I go like this. Well, he goes flying. He hits the can. But as he falls, I fall with him, and my, my arm jams into the concrete and jams me into the... I don't even know how. I can't even, like... It hit here, and I can't even, like, do that myself. Um, so now I, it's hard to breathe. Uh, anyways, so if you want to pray for the miraculous healing right now, that'd be great. That's how we're tying it in together. All right, let's read from the Bible. All right, All right so Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And the morning, and in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the, of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we did not bring any bread. Aware of the discussion, Jesus asked them, you of little faith, why are you talking about among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you under remember the five loaves? For the 5,000, and how many basketfuls you gather? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls you gather? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he was not telling them to be on guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? 
They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and other, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But when, what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this has not been revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and then the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. So we're going to stop right there. Um, because we want to give the opportunity for the disciples to have a, a good moment for once. Okay? Because for, we've seen since the beginning of this a couple weeks ago, Jesus tries to get them to do something, they fell. He tries to get them to do something, they fell. And so he calls them dull, and you know they're just not getting it. And so you have this situation where, again, some teachers, the religious teachers come on out, and they're trying to, get, trying to trap him, trying to get something from Jesus. This isn't the first time. In fact, in Matthew 12, we've already had this exact situation. Some Pharisees come out to Jesus. Give us a sign. He tells them the only sign you'll get is the sign of Jonah. It's the exact same thing. And so they're coming out here, and this is huge because we're getting these moments. Matthew's connecting these moments of, look, Disciple, what are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to be exercising your faith, right? You're supposed to be transformed. Okay, so now what? Okay, here's these people coming. Give us a miraculous sign. And Jesus says, no, you won't get a sign. The only sign you'll get is Jonah. And if we go back to Matthew, what he's saying is the three days, the three nights, the be, it's the resurrection. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so he's saying, that's what you'll get. Why? Because you seek after miraculous signs when you should be seeking just after Jesus. And this is the thing. If we're just seeking after miraculous signs, God, do this, and I'll believe. Or this is putting, saying, God, all I care about from you is what I can get from you. And he says, no, you don't get that. And so in this first moment, you get this whole thing. And there's an even bigger thing here because it's not just that they're going after signs. is They can't even begin to interpret what is actually happening. So the, all these things are happening, right? You've got the, the, the tons and tons of people who are being healed, right? You have the, the feeding of the five and 4,000. You have all these different miraculous things. Demon, people possessed by demons are getting cast out, right? All these different things are happening. And earlier when John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and say, are you really the Messiah? This is the same thing. It's a parallel. Are you really the Messiah? And what does Jesus say? Anyone remember? Look around. You see the, heal, the sick are being healed. The gospel is being preached. Demons are being cast out. Look around and see and notice. That was Jesus' response. So for the Pharisees to come in and say, give us a miraculous sign, shouldn't they be, and this is where Jesus is getting at, seeing the signs of the times. They can interpret things that matter to them, but they can't interpret the things that matter to God. That's a huge thing. Because we go from there, and we go straight into... 
the disciples on the boat yet again. And they're going on the boat, and they're coming through, and they're hungry, but what, they, what don't they have? Bread. They don't have the food. And they're discussing this about themselves, to each other. And Jesus goes, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And what's their interpretation of that? We didn't bring any bread. Jesus is like, we should be careful about the yeast. I mean, that's... But do you see the mindset there? These disciples are constantly in this mindset of, I don't even know why. Right? Because, and Jesus brings this up. Didn't you remember the 5,000? Don't you remember the 4,000? Is it bread that we're concerned with? No. And so Jesus is not concerned with the bread because even if he was, could he have made the bread? Yeah. So he's, they're concerned with filling their bellies. Jesus is concerned with spiritual truth. It's the same thing from the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders. They're concerned about what can I get this miraculous sign. Jesus is going deeper with spiritual truth. And it's the same thing with the disciples. And so you have these, again, we keep seeing this again and again. In the last few weeks, again and again, the disciples keep missing it. The religious leaders keep missing it. And it's like, are these guys ever going to get it? But that's when we come to the confession. Because Jesus goes straight to them. And he asks them, who do people say I am? Right? Those people out there. Who are those people saying I am? And what's the response? Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say this. Some say that. Right? They're all coming up with different things that people are saying out there. But the real question is not who do other people say I am. The real question is what? What do you say? Who do you say I am? And this is where it comes down to it. This is what, it, in fact, in Mark, if we did Mark a few years ago. And Mark is actually built. It's put together to lead to this point. This is the most important question. Who do you say I am? Because at this point, who do people say Jesus is? You have the Pharisees and Sadducees. Who, do they, who would you say they think Jesus is? Maybe, some, maybe a prophet, maybe a good teacher, rabbi. But there's stuff going on there that no prophet has done, no rabbi has done. Yeah, in fact, going back into Matthew, they were attributing his powers to demonic forces. So maybe this guy is a demon, right? But then you have the Canaanite woman from last week that says, Son of David, Lord. All these different things people are saying about Jesus, and Jesus goes to his disciples and says, Okay, now what do you say? Because it doesn't matter what other people say. What do you say? And that's, that's the key, right? For a disciple of Jesus, we have to understand who Jesus is. Because if we don't understand who Jesus is, then we're missing it. We're not tr a true disciple, right? We're not following him the way he intends. And this is the thing is Jesus, his whole purpose here is for us to understand him on his terms. 
we don't get to choose what we believe about Jesus. We have to accept what he says about himself. If we don't do that, then we're not really following him, right? What we're doing is we're following a caricature that we have created. And that's, that's not what Jesus wants. But he gives us the, the question, who do you say I am? And Peter gives a great answer. This is one of the best, this is probably Peter's best moment in all the scriptures. Because every other moment, it just seems like, it's, it's like, woo, right over his head. And, and in fact, the next chapter, the next, actually the next two sections of the scriptures, again, Peter's, but here he gives this perfect answer. You are the Christ, right? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right there. He answers it. And so this is a, the moment of clarity. This is where everything starts to make sense. These guys are finally at least getting it a little bit. Are they perfect? No, and what's funny is even after Jesus' resurrection, even after the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Peter still messes up. That's why I think Peter is probably the, the, the best person to relate to in the Scriptures. Because he doesn't get it half the time. He has these moments of clarity. And he continues to mess up. You know? He does this when the, the, he goes out to, in Acts. He goes out to see the Gentiles. And the, he hears that the, the Spirit has fallen on them. That they're accepting Jesus. And he goes out there and yeah, everything's good. And then when some Jews, Jews uh, believers come up from Jerusalem, he disassociates himself with the Gentiles. Because, oh, you know, we got he messes up. Paul has to take him to the ringer. You know, like, I love Peter. Because if, if you can't see yourself in Peter, man, I, I think you get, need to be a little more honest. But Peter has this great moment, you are the Christ. And what is Jesus' response? Blessed are you, Simon, of jo uh, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my Father in heaven. This is, this is great. You, you got it. And this is going back to that, how do you interpret the times? Do you see it clearly? Do you understand what Jesus is saying? Because if we go back to the yeast, Jesus is saying, don't be like those guys. Don't get into that mindset. Don't follow their teachings. Because they're all, all their teachings are about, how can I just get God's approval without being approved by God? How can I do something to appease God enough to where I can do my own thing. And Jesus wants all of us. He doesn't want a piece of us. He doesn't want little things from us. It's all of us. And he's like, stay away from those types of people. And if you understand it, I was telling the, um, the teens earlier, um, where, where it talks about where it says Jesus is Lord, all these different places where it says Lord Jesus, or it says, um, like in Romans where it says, 
um, confess Jesus as Lord. That's a huge thing. Because in that time period, you have Augustus who basically deifies um, Julius Caesar. And then through the years, as it continues on, the Roman Empire basically becomes like a pharaoh in the sense that he's a god on earth. And so by confessing Jesus as Lord, you're saying that, no, there's only Jesus is the God, not the Caesar. And by Paul saying, or by Peter saying right here, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's saying, you are it. There's nothing else. And I love in John, so I think we have John up there. Um, in John 6, you have this really, it's an interesting whole section, but Jesus is teaching on the bread of life, and he says, and he, he says this stuff that sounds pretty grotesque. He says, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And then, so he's telling them, and the whole idea is, you know, what we're talking about today is the sacrifice of Christ, right? But he's saying, you need me. And then everyone starts leaving. And he turns to his disciples, and he says this in verse 67 of John chapter 6, you do... You do not want to leave me, or sorry, you do not want to leave too, do you? He's talking to the twelve. He's talking to Peter and the other guys. And the, the response from Peter is, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where can we go? He says, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and, yeah, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Again, a moment of clarity for Peter. You're the only one. This is what he's saying here. This is the confession of Peter. And Jesus is saying, that's it. That is exactly right. And there's a lot of theology that follows this that we're not going to get into. The, the keys of the king, the binding and loosening, all that. But the point of this, in this whole grand scheme of it, is this understanding, you've got to get to this point. You've got to come to this point where you recognize it's about Jesus. It's not about the miraculous signs. If you're in the Christian life for miraculous signs, you've missed the point. You're not experiencing the Christian life. Those things do come. And we pray for miraculous, right? We pray for people to be healed. I remember this was years ago. Um, we had a, a gentleman, his name is Ralph. He's passed on. Um, and he, his back was hurting. And Jeff prayed for him. And for the rest of the service, he just sat there. He got up and left. And he came back. This is the next week. And he shared that after he was prayed for, he didn't give it another thought. But he had no more pain. And he didn't realize it till about halfway, halfway through the week. His back was fine. And that's not what got him. <laughs> it was something else. And so God miraculously healed him. And, but if that's the point, then we've missed Jesus. It's got to be about Jesus about knowing Him, about you are the Christ. There's nowhere else to go. You have eternal life. And if we miss this, 
we're always going to have this struggle in our faith. God, why aren't you doing this? Why won't you do this? How about why won't you pursue God? Let's stop trying to make things about the miraculous. Instead, because that's the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's the, you can interpret, and then the reality is this. We won't be able to interpret the times that we're in now. Ever since Christ ascended, the church has been waiting for the return of Christ. And we should. We should always be in anticipation. But there are things that happen in the Scriptures that are supposed to happen that have never happened that are happening. There are things that are moving so fast right now that it's like we're at breakneck speed going towards the return of Christ. But if we're, st if we're just looking for the miraculous, we're going to miss the Christ when He comes. Not in the sense that we're going to miss Him because everyone's going to see Him. But in a sense, we're going to miss Him because we don't know Him. And this goes back to what he says at the end of his um, Sermon on the Mount. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Depart from me. I never knew you. When we are so into the miraculous, we will miss the Christ. But once we understand and we seek Christ, the miraculous comes. And so, this is a really short um, teaching today. And the reason is, is because I just want to give the, the disciples their day in the sun. Because if not, we just go right back into them being idiots. But this is so important. Who do you say Jesus is? Each of us needs to come to that question and answer it. Is he a prophet? Some prophet? Is he this or that? Our society right now is wrestling with that question. I mean, we have things... I don't know if you've heard of this thing called TikTok. Yep. Okay. It might not concern you, but there are droves and droves of young people that are on TikTok, that are hearing from people that call themselves pastors, that call themselves spiritual leaders, and who are telling them this is who Christ is, and it's a false Christ. It's a buffet Christ. It's a Christ that is made in my image. Because God wouldn't say anything I did was wrong. This is the Christ that's being said out there. Who do you say I am? This is the Christ. And we have to come, and we have to do it based on what He says of Himself. And the only way we can do that is to go to the Scriptures and read, who is this Jesus? Because I love the fact that when we put portraits of Jesus up, they're very feminine. And it's like, have you looked in history yeah, he's, he's not this feminized version. No offense, ladies. I'm not saying femininity is wrong. But we, we treat him as this, like, this guy that has this lamb, and it's just like, 
He's so peaceful and so gentle. And this guy flips over tables and whips people. Okay? He is not this... this I'm going to say something that might get me in trouble. He's not this castrated form of a God. Okay? He is the true and living and powerful and mighty God. That we were just talking about again with the teens on Friday that if the high priest would go into the holies of holies and he was not righteous before God, God would strike him down by just the presence. And they would have to drag him out with a rope. We have to come to God on His own terms, not ours. If we truly want to know and answer this, who, is, who are you, Christ? Who is the Christ? We have to do it based on what He says. Not what a pastor says, not what some spiritual leader says, but what He says in His Word. And so my challenge for you this week is this. To go before God, to seek Him, to be satisfied with Him, with knowing Him, not anything else. Going before God, you know, we're praying, we've been praying for our nation for how many years? Yeah. Since before this nation was founded, people have been praying for it. We're, cons- we're still praying for it. And if God turns it around, that'd be fantastic. But what if He doesn't? Are we still going to trust in Him? Are we still going to follow Him if we don't get the miraculous? And we've been, we were praying for Chris, right? For months, for a couple years, right? Two years? There are two types of healing. There's the, the fullness, or there's the temporary here, and there's the fullness in heaven. And we, some battles were being won for the temporary, but now he is fully healed in the presence of Jesus. Would that damage our faith if we ask God, do this healing, and we didn't get it? And so this week, I just want you to go before God. God, help me to know you. And if you bring the miraculous, that's great. But that's not what my relationship is based on. And also, to have the mindset to interpret the times. Not to be, you know, not to say, okay, this is the Antichrist, that's this, you know, this is that, not that. But to be ready, to be prepared for the coming of Jesus. To be saying, okay, Jesus, if you're coming, I'm going to be prepared. That means I'm going to be sharing the gospel. I'm going to be, I'm going to be walking in the righteousness of Christ. I'm going to be following you where you lead me. That's interpreting the times. Because what they were looking for isn't what Jesus was. But it's what they needed, and that's what we do. We need what Jesus has, not what we think we need from Jesus. Does that make sense? And so I just want to encourage you to read the scriptures this week. To go back into Matthew 1 and read everything up to where we are now. Because this is who Jesus is. You can't answer that question without understanding everything that came before it. And I know most of you in here are believers. But if you're not, this is the time. 
Who do you say Jesus is? And base that response on who Jesus says he is. Not what you interpret, not what I say, but what Jesus says. Because that's important. So as we're going into communion, we're going to go into it right now. We take communion not because it's just something we do, right? Of a ritual that we just continue to do throughout the centuries. We've been doing this for thousands of years, the churches the church has. We're not doing it because this is just something, if we do it, then God's going to accept us more. No, we do this because who Jesus is and what he says. And so if I could have the guys come on up. We're going to go into this time. And there are, there are things, we, we talked about this a few years ago with 1 Corinthians. Communion is deeper than just still bread and grape juice. It's deeper than that. And Scripture says that there's, there are times when we, we take it, we partake in it, and we do it not right. Not in the sense of the actual, like, okay, do I hold the cup in a certain way? but rather we take it and I'm not prepared to take it. I haven't gone before God and said, God, I'm dealing with the sin. I'm holding it back from you. I'm trying to live this life and like this, this false life and, and say I'm a Christian and live this falsity. And Paul states in 1 Corinthians that some of you are sick because you take this when you shouldn't. And so as we take communion, we do open communion. And what that means is we don't, we don't look at your life and say, okay, do you line up? That's between you and God. And so if you take this, take it. But be, walk with us through prayer of confession. Right? And that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to have this pass out.